Okay, so this is the Multipod. We are on to episode, uh, not sure what episode this will be actually, but it'll come out uh, <laughs> within a few days likely of recording. And it's all part of the fun. If you listen to our last episode where we kind of reintroduced the show, Multipod 2.0, we talked a little bit about how, yeah, we've generally stuck to this every two-week schedule, which has been good. But we're open to mixing it up. You know, you might see us come out with, say, two episodes within about seven days and then maybe another couple of weeks after that. So, you know, it's kind of spontaneous depending on the the, uh, the people we have to talk to and the things we have to talk about. So on that note, um, once again, my name is Ted. I'm your host uh, for this episode. And uh, this is going to get us back into um, our conversation style episodes, which we've generally done on this show. And as I said before, it, it really is the most fun, satisfying, enjoyable part of doing the Multipod. It's getting to know you, getting to know members of the Puttyverse and learning about your story, your projects, your interest, interests your uh, challenges and your successes. I haven't really done one since, um, I guess, June when I talked to Flo when I first met him. I did have a, a conversation with Vanessa, of course, back in August, if you listen to that, when she actually came to my house and we sat outside on my back deck. It was the first time we ever recorded the show live in person, so that was fun. But in terms of meeting somebody new, it's early November right now. And I haven't really met anybody new since uh, June. So I'm very happy that our first guest, as we get back into the Multipod, uh, coming uh, to us live from California, is a fairly new member of the Puttyverse who just joined within the last couple months. We'll learn all about what brought him to the group and some of his interests and, of course, his passions, things that revolve a lot around creativity, which is a very popular topic. I know a lot of, of people in the group are always interested in about approaches to creativity and mindsets and so on. So without any more suspense, I'd like to introduce Thomas Butel, who uh, is coming to us from, is it the San Francisco area? Uh, it's from San Francisco, yes. Uh, thank San you, Ted. San Francisco, cool. Glad that you have me here. Yeah, welcome to the show. Well, we like to start generally with what brought you to the Puttyverse. How did you find out about the group? Uh, let me let me see if I can find that story. Um how I found out about it, you know, I, I've known about the the concept of multipotentiality for a while. Uh, in particular, I have a, a, a friend, a, a, uh, her name is Melissa Dinwiddie, and she likes to call herself a passion pluralite. And, hmm. and, I, and I started thinking about that um, maybe... Three months ago, uh, I was sort of going down the path of like, I want to explore this a little bit more. And I don't remember the exact order, but I, I, I found Emily's TED Talk. And then I also, I think that's the way it happened. I found Emily's TED Talk and, and got really excited about what she said in her TED Talk. And then, of course, I, you know, discovered her book, got that and started reading it. And then I was speaking to Melissa about it, and she says, "Oh, you got to also read Barbara Scher's book, Refuse to Choose." Right. And and there were there were per some sections in there that really s spoke to me about the concept, and and particularly my style, which is the I think Barbara Scher calls it this the Sybil, um, where I I tend to jump from 
sort of topic to topic, but then come back to them a lot. Okay. And then in doing more sort of thinking about it and research, I found out that Emily had started puttylike.com and I started reading puttylike.com and then it's <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute, there's the putty tribe, which is of course now the puttyverse. And that's when yeah. I joined. Um, I think I had just missed the cutoff in August, so I was waiting patiently for, <laughs> I guess it was what, September 15th or something like that. Or, or Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what were your first impressions when you joined the group? Um, elation. Like, <laughs> it's it's like, oh, I, like, it's not just like, I'm, I'm now understanding more about what I do and how I do it, but wow, here's a whole group of people that are, are like that. So, it really was, it was elation and relief and all of those, all of those experiences when you find a common community that you didn't even know existed, right? Yeah. Um, and this, this is interesting to me because I also identify as, as a highly sensitive person and, and I can speak from experience when you, when you find out about the HSP trait and then find out that there's a whole community of people that, that identify with that trait and, and have the trait. And then you start meeting them. It's, it's, it's the same feeling. It's just this like, oh, I belong somewhere. Mm. Yeah. I'd like to ask you about that too. Uh, high, being highly sensitive, uh, that's, that's, that's a topic that we'll, we'll come back to as well. Um, in terms of multipotentiality, it's another, another question we often ask people is, I mean, people have different terms for it or they may not even have kind of classified it in any way, but was there a point? It certainly could have been when you were young, when you were a child or at any point when you recognize that within yourself, that you had that difficulty, it was a challenge to commit to one project, to see your life as one kind of solid arc, you know, instead of the rest of us here who like to bounce back and forth with things. I certainly was interested in a whole bunch of things when I was a kid. And I, and I was fortunate in the sense that, that I was allowed to explore a bunch of different things. Um, hmm. I think my parents were all too happy to let me sit in the corner and do whatever I was doing and and not have to dote on me so much, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> you know, and in later in later years it was, you know, I spent lots of time in the garage making stuff. And yeah. and so they didn't have to spend a lot of effort, I guess, to 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 manage me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean that that's the sense that I get, you know. My my dad has said specifically they you know because they we I was born in Hamburg Germany and they immigrated here to San Francisco directly um, when I was half a year old and okay. um, and so you know they were learning a new language and they were trying to figure out what were they going to do in in their life how were they how are they going to make a living and so to to have their kid be content and do whatever they he wanted to do. That was me, you know. <laughs> I, I guess they were happy about that, and they, and they've told me that. Yeah, I can tell you as a parent, I, I appreciate yeah. that <laughs> when I see it in my kids. later in life. I remember specifically. So I went to college. I got a degree in electrical engineering, and and um, started work in Silicon Valley. And and I pretty quickly realized 
and made the decision that I was going to remain a generalist and not a specialist. So when I graduated, I had no idea. I mean, I'm, I sort of specialized in microprocessors and stuff like that. This is the early 80s. And, um, but I had no, sort of no inkling of what I might, what kind of job I might get. Uh, but yeah. I, had, I was recruited right out of school and, and they said, oh, we're going to, you're going to be a test engineer. And I said, fantastic. Sure. What, what is that? <laughs> um, <laughs> and it turns out that test engineering is one of those very generalist jobs because every device, everything that you need to test is going to be different. You're going to have to apply different ways of doing it. And, and as I, you know, went through my career in Silicon Valley, I, I pretty quickly said, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to remain a generalist. I don't want to go be a designer specifically or a this or that. I want to be, I don't want to say support because that's, that sort of diminishes it. Maybe. it yeah. It has that connotation of being diminishing. It's not that it's like, I'm going to be mm -hmm. the, the everything person you need to, to help you do. <laughs> Versatile. Yeah, right. So in that industry, did it help? It sounds like it was a good environment that would allow someone of that mindset to thrive because that's the type of person they are often looking for. Was it an encouraging environment for multipotentially? I think, I think, hmm, was it encouraging? Well, there were definitely, there was definitely a place for it. Hmm. I actually ended up staying at one company for 12 years, which is kind of unheard of in Silicon Valley. <laughs> Yeah. So it was the you know there was the good and the bad. The 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 bad was is at the end I w w didn't feel like it was growing. You know I was just sort of just doing the same thing over and over again. However, the the good news is I was able to parlay that into into software engineering. So I was able to get away from hardware going into software. Uh, and again, in in the software industry, I was sort of on the the support end, I was doing um, software configuration management. So instead of being a programmer and <laughs> designing programs, I was supporting the, those groups with configuration management, whatever. And that then led me to get into consulting, which is, you know, multi-potentialite heaven as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I did a stint as an IT director in a, in a medium-sized company. And then I just went and became self-employed. Um, that was uh, okay. 16 years ago. So I've been self-employed for for 16 years now. Are you still working full-time, basically, self-employed? Yeah. Yes. Um, I have a you know small client base, and they just keep coming back for more and more. And it's wonderful. Nice. And what's so nice about it is, is that it's not like, again, it's not anything specific. It's, I'll be uh, asked to help with, you know, Oh, can you help me with the CSS? The the website's not res, you know responsive on mobile. And then the next mm -hmm. request is, uh, oh, you know, I'll, I'll be in uh, Amazon Web Services uh, doing you know provisioning a server to writing some APIs to testing, you know, testing a new s service to integrating. It's like any anything they want. Um, I say yes first, and then I Google it. <laughs> well, that was my next question. It's like, what happens when they ask you to do something and you don't know how to do it? What's your mindset uh, to that? Do you panic or do you take on the challenge? Uh, <laughs> do you have the confidence, I guess, to tackle it? I pretty much, I mean, if it's something that I want to do, 
I'll pretty much always say yes because it's always it's it's like that, that wonderful challenge is like oh you know let's see what I can create here and Google is my friend in that sense so um, usually the way yeah. it works is is like can you do this and I think I'll say yeah I think I can I'll I'll get back to you so then I go and and research it and see what I can come up with oftentimes what seems daunting is actually not daunting it's just you need to apply a little creativity and so yeah yeah I, it's interesting always to kind of the question of finding the confidence to i guess commit to something for somebody when you've never done it and it's that's i find that to be a big leap of faith yeah it, it's there's there's definitely a bit of improv in there right so does this tap into some of your creative mind? Because I know from certainly your putty verse profile and and other things that creativity is a central, uh, maybe central part to your identity. Very much so. I mean, I see myself as a creator and a maker and an artist. You know what's funny is I I uh, I wasn't calling myself an artist last year. Uh, I hmm. I am this year. I I got over the. Uh, the A word, <laughs> and now I can call myself an artist. But uh, as long as I can remember, I've been I've been making stuff, and that's that's what my happy place really. Well, tell us a bit about what kind of stuff do you like to make? Um, I like to make stuff with my hands, and and as I'm saying that, of course, I also love to program. I love to create stuff on the computer, and I actually don't see a difference between the two. I mean, with if I'm you know, creating a, a computer program to do something very specific, or I'm in my garage uh, building, I, I, I build lots of miniatures. Um, I have a, a, a model railroad that takes up half the garage. I love making. <laughs> I got a 3D printer recently, and it's like, that's, that's another, now I'm more learning, you know, sketch up and how to create things in 3D so I can print them out. Yeah, neat. Uh, and that's it's pretty heady it's just like I, I you know you can imagine it and you make it on the screen and then all of a sudden it comes out in three dimensions it's just yeah i've never seen one in person uh it, it's i find it hard to grasp what it's really like unless you actually witness it mm -hmm. and can see it do its thing but it does sound pretty neat um how do you approach being creative does it come naturally to you or do you have to force it do you have to like force yourself to sit down and do something it does come naturally and I force it. Mm. It's it's like I have, you know, two two people on my shoulders. One saying, "Are you kidding? You can't do that." And the other one saying, "Oh, you know, this is delicious. Let's go for it." <laughs> and and so I so those voices and I have in my head all the time. Mm. Like there's that tension is there all the time. In fact, I created a a podcast specifically to explore that question hmm. the the question of of how do i get out of my own way right now this is the creative shoe fly podcast yes yes right well, i'm glad you brought it um, up i was certainly going to mention it too but uh it ties in well with some of the themes of this show we always love talking about podcasting <laughs> right right so I guess I guess what I'm trying to say how to what I'm trying to say is is that I think about creativity a lot. I I get in my own way a lot, and I create a lot. Hmm. And so there, that that's the struggle is there. Mm -hmm. It's real. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to an episode. You were talking about 
getting back on the wagon, as you say, and it's like, what do you do to do that, to keep the commitments, the promises that you've made to yourself to create and get back on that wagon? I, so I have, um, a, a, I've created a lot of structures and a lot of ritual, and I find that it's helping me quite a bit. So if I could go over that a little bit. Sure, yeah. Um, so the first thing that I found that's been incredibly helpful is meditation. Hmm. So I meditate every day. I do a breathing meditation. I use the Calm app. It it really does help me to recognize thoughts and then dissipate them. I I, I like to say that I, I imagine them as big soap bubbles floating by, and if that thought is like getting in the way and it's occupying my mind, I just sort of like pop it and it, and it explodes into <laughs> millions, millions droplets and it just goes away. And so that practice has helped quite a bit hmm. because it's that, you know, the chatterbox, the monkey mind that, that is the thing that does get in the way quite a bit of, of just being present and being creative. Hmm. To that, I add a gratitude practice and, and that helps just in terms of, of mood um, one thing that I do then right after that is I do a, a daydream. So I give myself uh, 15 to 25 minutes of just daydreaming time. Hmm. And and I wish I, re- I knew where I read this, but I, I was reading something on creativity and, and the author was making the point that we don't allow ourselves to daydream enough as creative people. How do you define daydreaming? So I close my eyes and and usually I have some music in the background, either you know instrumental music or instrumental like EDM, which is a little bit more energetic. Mm-hmm. But I close my eyes and I try to just pop all those thought bubbles, get just you know get rid of all the thoughts, and then just sit there and wait for something to arrive. Hmm. You know. Uh, and when something arrives, it goes in my bullet journal. So I have a bullet journal that is full of crazy, wacky ideas. Um, some of which I eventually turn into art. Um, but most of, most of it's just like just a, a book of ideas, which is just fantastic. And how do you feel like, I imagine you write a whole bunch of things down, perhaps the bulk of which you will never make, or at least in some shape or form. But, I mean, is that okay? Because the whole point is just to get the ideas down. It, it is totally okay. And that was a, that was definitely an evolution because when I started it, I had, you know, it's, I started it uh, in um, 2019 in March, right? So that's when I started the day, daydream practice. And so once March was done, I had probably you know, 60 or 70 different ideas, and I was excited about all of them. And it's pretty quickly I realized, that, you know, um, these ideas would take me like three years to complete. Mm. Well, now I have a year, a year, over a year and a half of ideas. I have thousands of ideas. And, you know, about mid mid last year, I realized, okay, this, you know, this would be like multiple lifetimes worth of stuff to do. And then finally, I just sort of settled into that idea. They're like, okay, you know, this the, the purpose of this isn't to come up with ideas that I will actually make. The purpose of this is to 
relax the brain and allow the creative brain to to work. Hmm. So what's it like then to eventually take some form of action? I mean, I would assume you want to create something out of this. How do you mm -hmm. choose what to do, or is that another kind of spontaneous process? Pretty much every few days or every week. Well, okay, so uh, to continue the, my, my structures, I, I do a weekly sprint plan. So I, I, I like this process. I call it the Scrum for One sprint plan. It comes out of software engineering. There's something called Agile, the, the Agile method, and they do sprint plans, and, and then you do these check-ins and, and whatnot. And they're very effective when you're on a team. And one day I thought, gee, I wonder if this is, if there's something like a, you know, uh, a, a personal version of this. And I, of course, I Googled it and found it. And it's like, there's, you know, there's a couple of people that wrote about Scrum for One. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, is that every week you, you decide, okay, this is what I might work on this week. And then I do this daily check-in. And this is really important for me is every day I check in on myself and saying, well, how am I doing? You know, mm -hmm. what's working for me? What's in the way? Um, that's the important part. Yeah. The, the checking in with yourself. So, hmm. so every day on Thursday, in fact, today uh, at lunchtime, I'm going to be doing another sprint plan. And, um, and what I do now is I write down suggestions. They're not like these are have to do's, but these are like, this is what's, what's interesting to me right now. Hmm. And so I write down this list of suggestions that these are things that I might want to work on this week that will further my long term goals. I have, um, I have a 15 month goal calendar. So I have some sort of a broad idea of what it is that I want to do in the next year and a half. And, um, and then so the sprint plan is, okay, here, here's a bunch of things I might want to work on. And then every day I check in with myself, how am I doing? What do I feel? Hmm. You know, it's, it's been incredibly valuable and, and really just a fantastic tool to, to keep going. Yeah. And then the last thing I have is I call it completion diary. Um, I think Emily calls it the small win Okay. Journal or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I have a completion diary where I write down every day I completed this. And I even bought myself a little rubber stamp, <laughs> you know, that says completed on it. Okay. <laughs> and so every item, I, I go through this physical process of actually stamping this official stamp next to it that says completed with an exclamation point. So that is, that, that is how I do my creative structure now and and I find that I that it's really helped me get out of my own way in terms of you know just the the struggle of what do I do next and mm. you know what what am I interested in now because I literally work on something different every day I mean wow. that's just my style I you know yesterday I'll be working on this thing and today you know, work on that thing. And I give myself an hour every day, uh, usually after dinner. I, that's my, my time. And I sit down, usually I go down in the garage and, and do, you know, work on whatever I'm making. Now, is your goal in a sense, just, is it to complete something for the sake of completing, which is a perfectly valid thing, you know, when so many of us struggle with never really completing things or, <laughs> you know, moving on to the next project, it's a real accomplishment to essentially finish what you started. And is that ultimately your objective when it, terms, when it comes to, you know, creating a piece of art 
um, whatever it may be. Do you have goals further than that, which could be, I mean, some kind of a presentation, a show, I suppose, selling things or anything like that? Is that secondary? Is the goal fundamentally just to complete the process? I've been evolving on that, mm. right? I mean, after reading Emily's and, and Emily's book and Barbara Shear's book, it, it was very incredibly helpful to redefine what completing is. Sure. That's and, a good point. And, and that's where the completion diary is just a godsend for me. Yes, of course, I have larger goals. And often what I find is those, those goals come from the outside, Hmm. And it helps to be open to them. By the outside, in what sense? So, so last year, I I was given an opportunity to be artist in residence. Okay, and that happened this early this year, just just before the pandemic happened. Um, I was artist in residence at a, at a local art gallery. Um, something that I never imagined would even happen. I mean, like I said last year, I wasn't even calling myself an artist. <laughs> And uh, and here, all of a sudden, I was invited to do this, and and that's partly where I started developing all these tools for myself, the mm. the weekly sprint and all that, is because, you know, I was I was invited to do this thing, and I had a, roughly nine months to to come up with a show, mm. so I, I needed structure. I absolutely needed to have a way to you know complete things. Yeah, get stuff done. <laughs> This year, a group of local artists uh, formed a collective and invited me to participate and to write some things for their for their art scene. And um, in in the case of the art scene, my friend said, uh, "Hey, you know, you don't want do you want to write something for our zine?" I said, "Sure, I'd love to do that." And he says, "Well, it's going to be the deadline's two weeks." <laughs> I said, "Oh," <laughs> and and all of a sudden. You know, my sprint plan or the sprint plan that I had for that week goes out the window. I have a brand new sprint plan. It's like, okay, this is it. This is what I'm working on for the next two weeks. And I was able to do it, you know. Mm -hmm. So so that's what I mean that often those opportunities come from the outside. I see. Well, it's good. It's good to have, um, you know, an objective or a deadline or something that kind of makes it, uh, Yeah, I guess, worthwhile. I mean, in the sense that it's about sharing it with other people. Right. External deadlines are wonderful. I've really come to enjoy <laughs> um, someone coming to me and say, you know, we want to do this and this is when it's going to happen. It's like that just, you know, really gives a good kick in the pants. Mm -hmm. I struggle with with my own deadlines I, because, you know, when I make my own deadline, I can always push it out. Yeah, And that's something that I'm working on. Yeah, it's a challenge. I struggle with that a lot. I mean, I think about when I have to go to work and it's like, you know, you, you get up, you do what you have to do and, and you go to work and you're supposed to show up on time. And it's like, there's so much accountability there. Because right. if you don't do it, then you're going to be in trouble, etc. But why don't I have the same attitude with my own work, my own projects? And it's like, you know, if, if I want to say I need to be at my desk at nine o'clock in the morning... I mean, sometimes I do, but why don't I do it more strictly? It's mm -hmm. like, uh, it's like, it was being accountable to yourself, for sure. And it bothers me that I don't have the same kind of um, accountability to myself that I would to somebody else. You know, you have to like pull it out of yourself to say that you're going to get yourself in trouble or something like that if you don't do it. Right. And here's what I know about myself. I get excited about new, different things all the time. Hmm. And I'm happy for that. 
So for me, it's it's um, it's really it's really been helpful to to celebrate the small wins, yeah, and and de-emphasize the the large things, the large projects. That doesn't mean that I don't want to you know cr- create some amazing things in my workshop. Um, mm-hmm. I do, but it, it's just a sort of a shift in focus. I'm just shifting the focus to getting something done every day. Yeah. My my completion diary is literally something that I finished every day and and I, that's amazing to me, you know. I only started that um a month a month and a half ago. Okay. I, and I can open up my completion diary and it's like, wow, look at all this stuff I've done already. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's the cumulative effect of all those small things, the small right. wins. And then suddenly a few weeks later it's uh yeah, you've accomplished a lot. It's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a fascinating thing, you know. It's like, if you want to create and you feel driven to create, then why don't you just sit down and create kind of thing? And <laughs> and it's like, it's supposed to be simple and logical. And yet, one thing I've realized, even just the last, I don't know, the last few days I've been thinking about it, is that the the assumption there is that it's easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to create. I think about right. Stephen King wrote that book about writing and how he says it's hard. Like, and this is Stephen King who's written whatever dozens of, mm-hmm. of novels. And the answer is that you just keep doing it. And sure, it can be a chore. It can feel like a challenge. You don't feel like it. You're tired and stature. But I think you need that persistence and that commitment. I mean, if it's something you really want to do, but, um, you know, you, you have, to, you do have to force yourself to do it sometimes. It is hard, but there's the reward at the end of, of accomplishing the thing that you set out to do. And hopefully that, you know, creativity and your work ethic, uh, begets more that if if anything's going to be easier i suppose it's that it becomes a little more easier to to get started and to do it once you've been doing it for a while do you find do you find that momentum helps you probably the the way that i like to think of it more is that there are times in the day or times in the week where i have the energy to do the hard stuff and there are times of the week where I don't have the energy to do hard, the hard stuff. And to me, the hard stuff is the, is making decisions, right? So creativity, creativity is part of creativity is making uh, decisions. And part of creativity is just the doing part, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I've tried to do is, is sort of separate that. Like hmm. if I need to really sit down and think hard and, and make, you know, make decisions or come up with ideas or whatever, I tend to to schedule time in the morning to do that because that's when I do it the best. Hmm. In the evening, I'm I'm tired. I just had dinner. I'm digesting. I just yeah. want to like, you know, I just need a suggestion of what to do. <laughs> and that's where my sprint plan comes in. I just, you know, I, I pick up my sprint plan and there's a whole list of suggestions because I've done all the, the hard decision work ahead of time. I look, it's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do that. That's, you know, great. Mm-hmm. Part of creativity is is like having all the tools and materials and paints and glues and all that stuff at hand ready. Mm. And and I used to be very frustrated because, you know, I'd say I want to work on this and I go down and it's like, okay, where did I put this? Where did I put that? You know, it's all, yep. you know, I can't find it. So I've been better now about like pre- preparing, like if, if I know that I'm going to work on something there, then I pre- prepare ahead of time. It's like I make sure that I have all the tools and materials ready for me 
ready to go. So that's helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah. You have to set yourself up for success. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you ask about momentum. Yeah. Some projects have momentum, but it, but like I said, in, in other things, I get tired of working on one thing for a long time. So that's why I find myself like every evening, I'm, I'm almost always working on something different, something, something different than I was working on the, the night before. Mm-hmm. But I guess, yeah, well, you've come up with a structure, it sounds like, to be able to kind of facilitate that, even embrace it. Yeah. Like, it's okay to go back and forth to different projects if it has some kind of structure and, and schedule even, or, you know, like, because most of us, we don't maybe do that. And so, when you're changing projects, you feel like, you know, you've let yourself down or that you're not going to get it done. And it, it and that kind of creeping feeling comes in that it's unfinished and um, you feel overwhelmed even. But if you maybe do it intentionally, yes, you do it intentionally, and that helps to put it all in perspective. I, I have larger projects, and I'll dive into that project, and then I'll put it away, and I might not look at it for a week or a month. Hmm. And then there's this little thing inside me saying, oh, yeah, remember that project? You know, you should... You sh- you had set out to do all these different things, and then I get back to it. So I'm always returning to projects. I'm always returning. That's sort of the key for me is I'm returning to to that. And then you know, there's a, there's always new things that are coming on board, and and um, and that allows me to experience the joy of jumping into something new, and then still feel good about you know. This other project here, it's still there. It's still waiting for me, and I'm re- going to return to it. I know that I'm going to return to it. Yeah, that's really neat. So you have a couple podcasts, uh, which uh, I love to touch on. There is the Creative Shoe Fly, and a shoe fly, as you say, using it in the way the railroaders used it, in that it was like a diversion of getting around a problem. Right. That's the kind of thing, and that's a good, as we've been talking about today, a good approach to creativity or obstacles, etc., is that you just find your way around it. And that seems to be the theme of, of this podcast, which people can find. We'll put the links and everything in here, the Creative Shoe Fly. And um, yeah, you've had a few episodes the last few weeks, so it's very much an active thing by the sounds of it. I have another four episodes that I've sort of uh, blocked out. Uh, mm-hmm. things that I want to talk about. And then after that, I don't know how long I'll be doing it because, you know, part of the reason I started the podcast is to is to explore this idea of creativity and explore getting around myself. And, and I'm starting to succeed in, in those areas that I was, um, That's cool. you know, thinking about. So it may be that at some point I'll just be done with it. And it's like, there it is. It, it served, it served the purpose for me. And yeah. hopefully, you know, it, it, gives on some ideas, some good ideas for my listeners. Yeah, I like the idea if, if it ends up that way that they kind of follow it, the arc of the the journey, I guess, to, to getting to that point where mm-hmm. you kind of, um, well, figured a lot more things out. That's great. Yeah. Um, okay, and then you also have the podcast you talked about briefly about HSP, highly sensitive people, right? Is that something that you take the lead on or part of a group? I'm part of a group there. I have uh, two co-hosts. It's called the HSP World Podcast. And, um, and we invite a, a, a guest every two weeks to pose a question about uh, anything that they're, they're interested about in terms of uh, the HSP trait. 
And then the four of us um, have a conversation about it. And it's just simply a way to hold space for the four of us to, to talk about the trait and, and things that we've learned or discovered or experienced um, having uh, the HSP trait and being highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. Do you find, um, is there a strong link perhaps between being highly sensitive and multipotentiality? Boy, there seems to be. I notice a lot of HSPs in, in the Puttyverse, which is fantastic. It's great. Actually, let me ask you, too, how you would define HSP, because I don't want to make any assumptions. How how would you define it, or is there a general kind of definition? The, the, the way that I define it for myself is that I have a, I feel that I have a heightened emotional sensitivity. Um, for others, it also includes sensitivity for other senses, like hearing and, and sight and skin sensitivity. Okay. The idea about being highly sensitive or have the the highly sensitive trait is is that you know there's a, a some people have just a um their their nervous system responds a little bit more quickly and a little bit more um loudly if you will or or you know or strongly mm-hmm. to external stimuli mm-hmm. and um it's it's not a good or bad thing it's just that that um, if you if you imagine a bell curve of sensitivity that that someone could have, there's going to be one one end of the sensitivity spectrum. Uh, there's going to be one end of people that are just a little bit more sensitive, and that has some ramifications in terms of how they experience the world and and how they respond to the world. I see. Yeah. So well. I think you know uh, we could go on. I'm sure for a long time about this. This is a, this gives me some good inspiration for uh, doing an, a, a dedicated episode on this show to talking mm-hmm. about it. So we, we certainly may have you back for that, and um, perhaps some others too to give some input. But uh, yeah, definitely topic I'd love to explore some more. I feel it in myself, but I don't know much about it. It's like one of those things I've been meaning to kind of learn more about, and as I see it in myself and probably my kids too. So it'd be worth uh, putting that effort in. Here's what I'm going to say about the intersection of HSP and multipotentialite. At least the way I see it in myself is I get easily excited about new things. Okay. So so maybe that has something to do with heightened sensitivity. I don't know. It's just a conjecture. But I could see that. Do you feel it's a positive thing? Then in your life, like that, because you get excited, I don't know, does it set you up for disappointment or is it something that um, you kind of thrive with? Uh, um, wow, that's a good, that's a great question, Ted. Um, <laughs> I think uh, until I discovered Emily's book and Barbara Scher's book and was able to think about multipotentiality in a, in a different way, I, I was disappointed in not finishing things. Now I have a now I've defined finishing in a totally different way, and and I'm really happy about it. So, am I happy about being excited about different things? Oh yeah, absolutely. Hmm. It's like <laughs> um, there's always something to be excited about, mm-hmm. and to learn about, and to read about. And so, yeah, um, I'm having fun. I guess Good. is the best way to answer that. <laughs> Well, that's a good note to wrap things up on. A bit of a cliffhanger. We'll we'll come back to this topic for sure. But it's been it's been wonderful learning about your creative process and hearing how much work and, and effort you've put into understanding 
the creative process, which is such a key part to it. You know, I, th I hope that uh, people listening to this episode can can resonate with some of that advice and perspective. You're welcome back on the show, of course, anytime. And it's great to have you as part of the community. So welcome to the Puttyverse. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really Cheers. appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. So that was Thomas Butel. Pleasure to get to know him and another very welcome member, new member of the Puttyverse. Thomas was, in fact, very recently a putty peep of the week. So uh, I can integrate some of that, at least, into this episode. Thomas, according to his uh, profile, was currently into automata and kinetic art, EDM beats, and paper mache. Well, we didn't really get into so much the, the maybe finer details of the types of art, the types of projects he's working on. Uh, he touched a bit on some of the 3D printing and stuff like that, but that gives you a little more sense. He's, he's really into the kind of tactile artwork, you know, sculpture and building things. If you're interested in any of that, of course, check out his profile, and uh, you can ask him all kinds of questions about more of the particular stuff that he's interested in doing. He says, I create, paint, draw, build, program, wire, carve, mold, assemble, imagine, and make. More specifically, things like kinetic art, interactive art, watercolor sketching, miniatures, electronics, railroads, like model railroads, miniatures, the natural world, growing orchids, fishing. He's into World War II cryptography, seismology. He does live in San Francisco. Uh, Earth prehistory, cosmology, the world of fungi, local San Francisco history, uh, computer programming, of course, electronic music, and uh, dancing the Lindy Hop. I'm not sure what that is either. Well, Lots of that. We, as you can tell, we could have gone on for, uh, I'm sure, hours <laughs> exploring so many of these interests, which, of course, is usually the case with pretty much anybody in this community. We all have so many varied things, and we could all probably talk about each one for, you know, 15, 20 minutes at a time. So um, I'll leave it at that. I'll share some of his links. You can find him on Instagram at uh, Bew Television, is his profile name, B E U T E L E. V-I-S-I-O-N, Butelevision, like all one word, and also thomasbutelltinkers.com. And you can find his uh, website for his podcast at creativeshoefly.com. So creative and then S-H-O-O-F-L-Y.com. And lastly, there is a very nice website for their uh, HSP, Highly Sensitive People podcast and website. It's hsp.world. And, of course, the name of the actual show is HSP World. So it's no .com, it's just HSP World. And you can find that or Creative Shoe Fly, the other podcast, at uh, most of the podcast apps. I'm sure it would be widely distributed, so it's easy to find. Certainly recommend checking it out. And, again, a great pleasure getting to know Thomas. Now, we are also working on another episode at the same time, which will hopefully be out within a few days or so of this episode being published. But uh, it's being led by Vanessa, and it's on the topic of queerness and multipotentiality. There's been a very popular discussion thread on the forum that's been continuing for, I think, weeks now. It's one of those uh, topics that's just, uh, and discussions that keeps going and going. It's, uh, it's great to see. And we really wanted to tap into that and kind of expand on it and have a good conversation. 
And as well as the topic has been on our list for a long time. So Vanessa is putting that together and it's also going to be something new and different for this show, a panel discussion. So it won't just be one guest. There'll be, I think, three or four people and uh, talking about queerness and multipotentiality and what it means to them. And uh, of course, within the context of our community, that's a bit of a cliffhanger for you. You can look forward to that coming out soon. As well, we're going to have some more of our fun bios for you. We're going to profile some more putty peeps of the week. And lastly, I do want to highlight a couple, uh, at least, events coming up in the next couple weeks, at least from the date of when this is published, which is expected to be early November. If you're listening to this in time on Saturday, November 7th, there is an Energy as Food and Medicine Huddle on November 7th at uh, 5 o'clock Universal Time Clock. That corresponds to 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock Central European Time. Now, this is a huddle that will be led by Tio, who's been on this show. And while, yes, the theme is food and diet, he's sharing a different perspective on this. He says he'll be sharing info on how non-physical foods in various forms, a.k.a. energy, can help or hurt us, exploring some techniques that we can practice in our everyday lives, to gain control over this, like energy martial arts. So that explains the title, Energy as Food and Medicine. Now another workshop coming up a week after that, on Saturday, November 14th, sounds really interesting. It's at 7 p.m., the universal time clock. That means 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock p.m. Central Europe. It's a workshop on how to write amazing songs every time. This will be led by Carrie. She says, have you ever listened to a song and wanted to know exactly what makes it so catchy, beautiful, or even therapeutic? She's going to show us the ins and outs of how great songs are written. You can take that and apply it to your own songwriting, if, of course, it's something you're interested in doing and working on. Or if you, you know, simply curious, you want to understand, you listen to music and appreciate it and want to know, I imagine she'll draw some theory for sure, but uh, maybe a little more of the kind of emotional attachment that people get to songs and, and why songwriters choose, you know, the structure, melody and so on, and integrate it with lyrics and, and the whole mood of a song. So it's uh, it sounds fascinating. She says, don't worry if you're not a songwriter or even a, a musician. If you'd rather be there to support others and enjoy the music, uh, that's certainly fine. I think quite a few people have already signed up. Uh, so if you if you can, if you can make it, if you have the time, that's one I definitely recommend. And one more thing I love to highlight, it's uh, always a popular event, is the next Multipotentialite Mixer on Sunday, November 15th, also at 7 p.m. and the Universal Clock. This is the recurring event. I think generally it's, it's every month where we go old school. We go back to an actual chat room. This is not on Zoom. This is usually a chat room. <laughs> Through the forum, there's a chat icon, and uh, people can just basically text and write in text and, and interact that way. If you remember the early days of the internet, that's that's what it was like. And so we draw from some of that. It's it's a different experience, of course, compared to what we do nowadays. It's a lot more focused on, of course, the written word and short little snippets and uh, not having to worry about what you're wearing. So <laughs> that's the multi-potentialite mixer. The next one coming up Sunday, November 15th. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. As I say, we expect some more episodes coming out in the very near future. Stay tuned. 
We really hope you enjoyed this one. Again, I encourage you to reach out and chat to uh, Thomas if uh, you want to follow up on any of his interests and projects. You'll see him around on the forum. You can certainly respond to the posting of this episode on the forum if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, critiques. We're open to anything, and we always encourage any feedback. So thanks as always for listening. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. <laughs>